Mm, we have been alerted. Um, so uh, do, do you want to start or should I start? You go ahead, darling. It's been, it's been a while, hasn't it? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Shelf Absorbed, uh, the podcast in which we talk about some of our favourite books and movies. My name is Ben Wheeler. And I'm Sarah Guanyoma. And uh, we decided that we would uh, get back together, uh, get the band back together for, for one last podcast at the end of this uh, crazy, god-awful year uh, to try and cheer you all up a bit and give you some recommendations. Isn't that right? Yes, wow, what a year it's been. How have you coped during lockdown, Ben? Um, sw- swings and roundabouts, I would say, uh, at this end. I've managed to keep myself very busy, which, which has, is the, the ticket, I think, isn't it? Um, it's half the battle. So I've had a lot, of, a lot of projects on, which I can tell you all about uh, as, we, as we progress through, because some of my choices are to do with some of the things that I have been doing with my time. But mainly... Yeah making sure that we get out for like a little walk we're lucky enough to have a swimming pool here so try and do some laps a bit of physical health a bit of mental health all, all those things that we've kind of talked about before how about you i mean you're you're in a you've got the little one to look after of course How yeah so we did homeschooling which was, which really was challenging at times not just for myself but also for isaiah you know for kids having to sort of learn a new way and um, i think in the first lockdown that was last year wasn't it God, it all seems a bit crammed in together. Um, the first one, his schooling was basically, I think it was depending on the parents to basically do a lot of it. And then for the second one, the school kind of got their act together. And so he had a lot of online learning where the teacher was actually physically in the class, but um, she was basically recording the class from, from the laptop. Um, so yes, yeah, so it meant that we still had some interaction as parents and stuff. Um, but there was more onus on the teacher. But regardless of saying that, um, it, it was still pretty hands-on. And obviously I've been, you know, my sort of what Sarah read next sort of platforms kind of grown a lot this year based on me kind of doing a lot more interviews with authors. So I found sort of juggling all that very hard because it's not just the prep time um, in the interviews, cause, but it's also uh, the actual doing the interview. And then in around... And amongst that, you know, having to like read books, a lot of books. So yeah, I mean, as much as it was like, I didn't find this one as hard as the last one. I just felt it just went on for way too long. And I mean, we've got, I mean, we're like, we've got this massive big paddling pool, straight swimming pool. Um, did we get out and about? Not so much, because I just didn't, I hated the idea of having to wear a mask in a heat and having to do like a run on stuff. I just couldn't get my head around it. But we've got a big garden. And so we sort of hung out at home and, you know, ate well. Uh, so yeah, we did it. We survived it. But I mean, who knows what's around the corner? I mean, there's another wave kind of going on on a global scale. Um, and so, you know, we just don't know what's, I mean, I kind of felt that we'd, we'd all sort of done our hard yards this year. Um, so let's just see what's, what's to come. Yeah, man. Uh, new year, new normal, new challenges. But it, it feels, 
it's 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 fairly uh, what's the word like it's quite arbitrary, isn't it? The way that we mark New Year's, especially considering like other uh, uh, some some cultures like Chinese New Year is in like sort of January February time, isn't it? But it always feels like you know there's a little bit of a full stop, and we can and we can reset and start again uh, when New Year's rolls around. We'll see how. Yeah, yeah. What do you do? For, what are your Christmas plans? Well, I'm, I'm heading uh, back to the UK uh, in two days. Uh, so I have a huge <laughs> challenge ahead of me uh, with my uh, lady partner, Mila. It's, it's, it's madness. I don't, I don't even, I'm not even going to talk about it because this podcast is an opportunity to not think about that thing I have to do. So next question. Okay. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, how about you? You're, you're staying put. You're going to have some... Uh, yeah, we are. We're going to have... We're just gonna have a nice chilled one. I mean, we'll be seeing some friends who are here in Fiji. So, like, you know, uh, on Christmas Eve, you know, we've got Christmas Eve sort of morning with some friends, and then a Christmas Eve afternoon, um, and then we're waking up just us in our bed Christmas morning, and then we'll join some people in the afternoon. But you know, lots of Christmas movies and just appreciation for just being alive, God. Um, and you know, I think Christmas tends to be so busy. And, you know, you're running around here, there, everywhere. And I'm quite looking forward to actually not doing much of that. Like a lot of our friends that we'll be seeing are pretty much really close by. So it's not as if it's going to be sort of like hustling, bustling. Yeah, man. I'm yes. going to be uh, locked down. I'm going to be self-quarantined with my, with my family. So it's just going to be super chill. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be really lovely. But, uh, nice. And Mila's coming with you. Mina's coming with, and then uh, and then we're doing like a little bit of a European tour, so England, Finland, and Norway before we hit the state oh, nice. and head back. Nice. Yeah, all over a few months, so nothing too hectic, as you said. Brilliant. I think that's the best way to be. So, what films have got you? What films have kept you happy during during this year? Well, I picked uh, I picked three as per our usual kind of strategy. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I've picked one that one that isn't really generally available yet, but is very important to the region and that, that featured in the uh, the Human Rights Film Festival that I, I uh, helped to curate uh, recently here in Suva. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and I think I'm going to start with that one. So there's going to be some some uh, some chronic name dropping <laughs> going on okay. because uh, like like you, um, I've been lucky enough to 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 be speaking to filmmakers from across the region. Um, and from, from around the world, in fact, as well, uh, with some of these, these latest projects that I've been involved in. Um, and and the, the film I'm, I'm going to talk about first is called Waikiki uh, by Christopher Kahunahana, who is a Hawaiian filmmaker. Uh, and it played on the, on the last day of the Human Rights Film Festival um, here in Suva that, 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 uh, that occurred a few weekends ago. So did you did you hear anything about about really? this movie? I put up a few kind of no, I about it on social media. Um, it, it's uh, it was made in 2020. I think it's been a bit of a labor of love for this uh, this Hawaiian director. Um, it, it, he shot it, I think, around 2013, 2014, and then it spent a, a bunch of years in post production. Um, uh, and it got released in 2020, and it's been a, a handful of uh, film festivals um around the pacific and and, and uh in america 
Um, and then we we got hold of it um, for to to screen very exclusively in Suva. So this has not had a general release or anything yet. So if anyone is listening and they're interested, just keep your keep your uh, eyes and ears open because I, I really hope that it comes uh, that it has a general release here in Fiji and around the Pacific region because it's a super super interesting uh, movie that explores a, a lot of themes that are relevant uh, across the, the Pacific. Uh, area and in other kind of uh, developing areas of the world and any any kind of areas where where you have these notions of um, these conflicts of like tradition and authenticity and globalization and modernization and these things that kind of fall under the umbrella term of development um, so it's about um, a young girl called Kia uh, played by Danielle uh, Zalapani um, and yeah. she uh, is working a bunch of different jobs, trying to make ends meet. She's a, she's a dancer um, for a sort of tourist um, holiday destination in Hawaii. She's, she wears all the, the very stereotypical and, and, and very sort of un, uh, um, inauthentic, uh, in, in a way, um, garbs and, and does that tourist kind of stereotype paradise hula. Um, she also sings in a, in a bit of a grimy uh, club um, where she uh, where she kind of fends off unwanted attention from from dirty old men and she has an abusive <laughs> boyfriend as well um, and one night she gets in a fight with her with her boyfriend the physical altercation and she's living in her in a, in a van as well in like a minivan um, and she runs away and she gets in a bit of a, a car accident and then her life starts to unravel. That's that's pretty much all I'm going to say about the the narrative, about the story, because um, I really don't like to spoil things too much when I talk about movies uh, on these things. But but it, it it moves into into a very interesting area stylistically. Um, it gets very surreal and quite abstract as it sort of explores her psyche and her psyche and her mindset is very much a, a sort of allegorical representation of Hawaii itself. And that representation of Hawaii, as, I, mm. as I've said, is very interesting in that you can look at it certainly from a kind of uh, Fijian perspective and, and from any uh, many other countries, small, uh, small island uh, developing states around the Pacific area. Um, it's got shades of like David Lynch surrealism in there. Mm. He, uh, Christopher Kahunahana has obviously been influenced by like the, the European masters and the the avant-garde kind of styles and techniques of filmmaking from Europe in the in the 50s and 60s and 70s. There's, a, there's some Japanese cinema influence in there. It's like a crazy, crazy good movie, man. And I really hope that yeah. it's a big, big general release and loads of people get to see it. Nice. And what what, what aspects what aspects of it did you did you like the most? What what yeah. I liked well. Uh, I mean, okay. So most importantly, one of the one of the projects I've been doing over the last few months is um, like sort of online film workshops to replace the uh, the in person screenings that the film clubs that I was doing before. Um, so we spent a bit of time looking at a concept called fourth cinema, and fourth cinema is uh, indigenous representation by indigenous people. So you know, if you look at sort of uh, the history of colonialism it's a history of uh of white people sort of uh, putting labels on and, and categorizing and representing in literature and and other media forms um the the indigenous people of the places that they 
go out and colonize. Uh, and those representations, those stereotypes are often kind of grounded in, in a political and economic oppression. So um, over the last couple of decades, um, uh, this concept of fourth cinema, which was coined by Barry Barclay, who's a New Zealand uh, filmmaker and sort of cultural theorist, uh, is the idea of, um, of finally, because it's only really, it's kind of a, a, kind of a recent thing, indigenous people in places like uh, New Zealand, indigenous people in places like America, um, and, yeah. and indigenous people indeed in, in uh, Hawaii, uh, as, as is the case here, representing themselves, creating their own stories, taking back those narratives, you know. Um, so yeah. fourth cinema is really, really interesting. One of the, one of the sessions I did was on Taika Waititi's Boy, which is a really great kind of play, oh, yeah. playful, but, um, but it, it really interesting representation of... Yeah, I do like uh, his work. Yeah, yeah. And that film in particular about growing up Maori is very interesting, yeah. uh, growing up in the 80s, because there were some theorists, white American the uh, uh, critics who said, you know, this, is a, this wasn't a really uh, authentic representation of, of growing up Maori, you know, <laughs> you know because yeah. he's into Michael Jackson and, you know, it's a, it, he's oh, into yeah. pop culture at the time. And this, this, this American white critic uh, obviously wanted something more stereotyped, more, you know, more sort of spiritual or these kind of weird ideas that, that um, uh, external people have about certain people and places. So, so from a fourth yeah. cinema perspective, this movie is really, really important and really, really interesting. Uh, but it's just, it's just brilliantly made. And, and also, you know, there, like I said, there's some really interesting echoes and parallels with Fiji. Like we live in Suva, and over the last yeah. few years um, that I've lived here, uh, I've watched this uh, WG Friendship Plaza go up, you know, the huge kind of... Yeah. Uh, uh, Chinese-sponsored uh, uh, accommodation skyscraper in the middle of town. Uh, and there's, a, there's yeah. a very big kind of juxtaposition in this movie between, like I said, the boyfriend works in construction. So we get a lot of images of these big skyscrapers going up in, uh, in uh, Honolulu. And um, it's contrasted with the, with the kind of the, the, the lifestyle that our protagonist has and, and you know, homeless, homeless characters and, yeah, it's a very interesting juxtaposition and contrast. So I like that too. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then did you want to chat about the other two? Or do you want me to jump on and talk let's about... Go, let's go one-on-one-off, -on -one -off, shall we? I feel like one -on -one -off. I've blurted out a lot uh, in, in the last few minutes. So what, what has been, uh, of the three books that you've selected, that have got you yeah. through lockdown, which, which one do you think you want to go for first? Yeah, well, let's just talk about um, Sorrow and Bliss by uh, Meg Mason. Um, it was basically touted by The Guardian. It's won countless, it's been, yeah, applauded by The Guardian and many other sort of, you know, newspapers and book clubs. Uh, Meg Mason's originally from New Zealand, so we were talking on the sort of subject of Haiti, Wakiki. Um, this is her third book. And so on, this is basically about um, a lady called Martha, um, who's a writer. She's a brilliant writer. Um, she has a really lovely sister who she gets on really well with. Um, and then she's got a mum who's slightly crazy. Um, and, you know, given that we're all kind of jumping into Christmas, uh, I guess you've got these scenes. So you've got Martha that she's basically, she's been married before, 
um, to this guy who was a bit of a douche, basically. And then she's basically now with a guy called Patrick, who is absolutely lovely. Now, as the sort of story kind of progresses, um, you start to find out that there's not all, all everything that you think of Martha, there's basically a bit more behind the scenes. She's basically suffering from this undiagnosed sort of mental illness, which Meg does a good job of not actually labeling um, for reasons that I'll go into a bit later. Um, and so you, you start to sort of understand and see why Martha is basically starting to unravel. Um, and when I say unravel, I mean, it gets to the point where she's had to kind of move back home. Um, she's got an amazing relationship with her sister, like I said, um, so much so that she's, it's like the scenes that Meg kind of does with the sisters, they've got this amazing sort of monologue that kind of goes on. Um, and so you find yourself kind of like wincing, but also kind of laughing out loud. Um, just because if you've kind of had a relative or if you've kind of suffered from uh, a mental illness, you will be able to sort of relate um, just because Martha's sort of mental health, uh, she's got, you know, there's, you could, you could put it in there, like, you know, anxiety, depression, um, she just, there's a lot of symptoms that sort of kind of flare up. And so while she's sort of kind of going through this, um, this episode, um, she's pushing all these lovely people away just because she's in such a sort of kind of fog of not feeling right. So she's, she manages to push her husband, Matt Patrick away. She manages to push her, her brother, uh, her, her father away. And her father, actually, they have this awesome relationship where he's, he tends to sort of understand her. And he's also quite protective of Martha from her mother, who is a raging alcoholic. And they have these scenes at Christmas where um, they're at Martha's auntie's place who lives in Belgravia, um, opposite Margaret Thatcher, the late Margaret Thatcher, which is quite funny. And so you have these scenes where um, the mum's just basically heckling the family. Um, there's like this loud piano going on. I think it's the auntie, if I can remember correctly, is playing piano and you can probably try and picture it. The mum's going off. Everyone's kind of wincing, really embarrassed, and it's kind of like wanting it to all kind of end, like the whole kind of Christmas, because it's just really unpleasant. But I mean, Christmases have a can be quite dramatic, can't they? Um, and so I guess what I loved most about it is A, how Meg's basically a brilliant writer, um, and she's really, really funny. I loved how she was able to depict. Um, Martha's character. Um, I think more and more we're starting to see books written that are kind of like, you know, focusing on mental health, which is great, because I think we're we're talking more about it. Um, I think for a while there it was kind of like really taboo, but I think now, I think as a society, I think it's really healthy that we're not doing that so much. And so when you get books like So and Bliss, people are able to sort of like relate to it. Um, and I, yeah, and that's and that's probably pretty much about my my tip. And it's a really easy book to sort of get through as well. Um, I kind of found. I mean, I know there was parts that some people were like, oh, they found it maybe sort of triggering, and you know, I guess Martha's illness perhaps was maybe a little bit dark for some people. But I, I don't know. I like books that kind of challenge challenge the usual um, challenge the usual sort of 
literature that I do have. And actually, it's not as harsh as some of the other books that I've kind of read this year. So that would be my first pick, Sorrow and Bliss by Meg Mason. Right. So that that actually sounds like a like the perfect partnering for, for Waikiki. I mean, uh, there's yeah. like I said, I, I didn't want to give away too much, but it does go deep into this main character's psyche. Uh, and explore kind of intergeneral, intergenerational trauma and trauma. repressed memories. And so, that, you know, I think these two, uh, again, once again, we've brilliantly, without even coordinating it, managed to pick yeah. uh, uh, two amazing, uh, uh, an amazing book and movie combination to start us off. Mm. That sounds really interesting. And, and of course, Christmas is always the time when, uh, when um, sort of old, um, Oh, what's what's the expression you, you get together with family and these kind of not repressed but these kind of regressive tendencies come out and you know you find yourself yeah. like, like a bit of a teenager again um yeah exactly I, I, I can imagine quite vividly some of the scenes in that in that hopefully place. that won't be like for your that won't be your your christmas scene i think i'm just going to be super happy to be back with my parents so i hope i don't you know start yeah. slamming doors and, and telling them they don't understand me uh, I, I think I think we should be pretty safe. Um, uh, so should should oh, I? Yeah. Oh, I think I, you broke up a little there. Oh no! Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. <laughs> so in case anyone hasn't guessed, we're we're zooming today for the first time. Normally we go into a a, a lovely little studio, um, but we are. Uh, 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 are using the, the wonders of technology to get this done today. Um, <clears throat> yeah. All right. So, second movie choice. Uh, as per usual, I've tried to uh, to be quite uh, inclusive and diverse in my selection. Uh, so I've gone uh, I've gone for uh, a female director now, and this this wasn't too difficult to do because I think this was definitely. Uh, one of the best movies uh, of the year. It, it certainly topped a whole bunch of polls uh, that I've been looking at in, over the last week or so. Um, and that's The Power of the Dog by Jane Campion, which is a fantastic movie that's ah. available on Netflix now. So I'm going from also going from a, a movie that, that isn't quite available yet to a movie that probably everyone can get because everyone in the world seems to have Netflix at the moment. Um, so The Power of the Dog, have, have you seen this one, Sarah? No, I haven't. All righty. I'll start from the beginning then. Uh, Jane Campion is a fantastic uh, New Zealand director. She won a, a huge amount of critical acclaim uh, for her second feature called The Piano, uh, which has Holly Hunter, Harvey Keitel, yeah. Sam Neill in it. Uh, and it, it tells the story um, in sort of colonial period New Zealand of... Um, of some some settlers and some colonists who are buying lands and their interactions with the indigenous population there and the Maori uh, people uh, and Holly Hunter plays a, a mute um, a woman who is who along with her daughter Anna Paquin is sold or, or you know betrothed to this uh, to this guy uh, this landowner in New Zealand she's sent across from Scotland uh, on a boat with her piano. Uh, and it's the story of um, of a sort of uh, a, a, a three uh, a, a menage a trois between between her, her and Sam Neill, who's her husband, and uh, Harvey Keitel, who's this sort of um, this fella who's who's gone a bit native. You know, he's been, he's embraced the Maori culture. Um, yeah. 
and is seen as a sort of a slightly more wild and passionate kind of uh, character. And uh, it's uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm getting distracted by the piano. <laughs> that was that was one of her okay. first films, and it won it won the Cannes uh, Palme d'Or and and a bunch of awards uh, back in the '90s. Um, and I loved it when I was when I was a student uh, at the at the sort of middle and end of the '90s studying film. I was a big fan of this movie, so I was very excited when when Jane Campion's new movie came out, The Power of Dog, a couple of uh, weeks ago on Netflix. It's uh, it's a western um, uh, about again the psychodynamics of and, and power struggles of of a, of a network of main characters. Uh, Benedict yeah. Cumberbatch plays um, ah, yes. he plays a, a sort of a, a really kind of toxically hyper masculine cowboy character one of two brothers the other is played by Jesse Clemens um, and they are kind of polar opposites um, uh, Phil Benedict Cumberbatch is a kind of cast against type he's he's gr he's gritty and grimy and he's a real kind of uh, mean person very very toxic like I said he bullies his younger brother a lot. They have this oh, weird yeah. relationship where they kind of live in a big mansion, but they have twin beds in the little bedroom you see early on. And so they, they, there's something kind of peculiar about this relationship. It's very abusive. Yeah. Um, and that's where we start. Uh, before long, the movie shifts into another gear when uh, the younger brother, um, Jesse Plemons, uh, what's his name, George, uh, meets and marries Kirsten Dunst who owns a cafeteria um, in town and, and is a widow and has a son called Peter. And the four of these characters get into a kind of a weird struggle as Rose and her son move into this weird mansion that the two brothers have shared for like all, all of their lives. Um, it's kind of, it's, it's like a drama. It's a, a psychodrama, a psychosexual drama in some ways. Um, but there's a, there's, a, there's a huge amount of other kind of, uh, generic and stylistic influences that come into it. Again, I don't really want to say too much. It's kind of a, it's a slow film. It's a, a real builder. It's a character study um, and, and sort of a psychological thriller. Um, yeah. But the thrills only really come towards the end. You have to sort of stay with it through some really interesting shifts. The cinematography is beautiful. It's set in Montana, uh, but shot in uh, New Zealand. So it's like a New Zealand representing the, the Wild West in America kind of thing. And it's not even really the Wild West because it's the turn of, it's the beginning of the 20th century, if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah, I think it's the 1920s. So it's, it, there's a whole bunch of weird shifting kind of uh, influences um, and a, a real dreamlike quality to, to it. The cinematography and the set design uh, of the, the, the kind of, the outdoor scenes and this this strange mansion that they live in is just beautiful just absolutely stunning man um wow. and and it, it's a movie that will will stay with you uh, and kind of have you going back retrospectively and thinking about what you've just seen after you've seen it so so i i super super duper recommend that as my second movie wow bam yeah i mean i i I watched a fair bit of like way more TV than usual um, during this lockdown. Although in the last few days I've been watching, I've watched some really awesome, awesome movies. Um, and I, I, I intend on watching more, more movies over this kind of Christmas period. Because like, I guess, because I've not really ever, I've not really sort of, 
I don't, I've never, I've not found like TV to be, uh, what's it called? I mean, I do find it relaxing, but I guess I've always kind of just really relied on books as a way of my sort of like sit down. If I'm going to sit down to do something, it's like, okay, I'm going to read, but I'm, I'm really loving some of the movies that are on sort of Netflix at the moment. There's one called The Hand of God, which is excellent. Have you watched that? No, no, I plan to. It's uh, Paolo Sorrentino, is that the director's name? He did... Uh... Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. Um, and then also The Unforgivable with, uh, with Sandra Bullock is what I watched last night, which is an awesome and, not, and brilliant movie. Yeah, that's based on the old ITV drama, isn't it? Did you, did you, uh, did you ever watch that? No, I didn't. It's a, it's a remake uh, of, a, of a series that was on ITV back. Well, they've done it. Well, I've did, obviously I didn't watch the series, but it's a really, really kind of gripping stuff. Ah, interesting. And yeah. so now I'm like looking for the next, next, next movie on Netflix because we don't have. Yeah, I prefer to just use Netflix. It's pretty good. Where do you but, get your movies? I have uh, I have a bunch of different streaming services. So I I'm a, I've I've subscribed to Mubi M U B I, which is yeah. kind of fringe uh, fringe art house stuff, um, along with some some it, it's just all the sort of stuff on the margins, you know. So not not always yeah. uh, art house. Sometimes really kind of trashy stuff. Sometimes stuff that's been critically yeah. panned that they that they think well, is up for reappraisal. Um, yeah, I have Netflix and I have Amazon and uh, oh wow! Um, I also and and you know I go to the cinema as often as possible. When when the the lockdown yeah. ended after like what was it like six months of no cinema, I saw like five yeah. movies in the first week or so. Um, yeah. Uh, so so yeah, that, that's that's my main access. But but here in Fiji, it's kind of tricky. To, uh, yeah. to get hold of uh, really new stuff. So that's that's something I'm looking forward to with heading back to Europe. I'm going to try and catch a bunch of stuff at the movies. And, yeah. And buy, buy a bunch of new DVDs that are out and bring them back and screen them. Uh, oh, amazing. Um, yeah, so I, I, and like you, I've been watching pro probably just as many TV shows uh, as I have movies. Um, yeah, some really interesting stuff uh, coming out, uh, and and I've been reading books a bit more often as well. Oh, you know? good! Uh, I was I, I joined a book club, and we did a few a few. Very oh, hello. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> um, yeah, joined joined a book club and and read um, uh, an int some interesting stuff. Read that read the the sci-fi. Uh, cult classic June uh, because a member of, yeah. the, of the book club chose that uh, before the movie yeah. came out so that was really interesting uh, oh, I've, yeah I, I've, I've got June on like a DVD but it wouldn't work oh. I've got I read um, a really great book called The Psychopath Test by John Ronson I reread that because I'd read it when it came out about 10 years ago and that is yeah. an incredible uh, piece of like journalistic yeah. writing and I'm currently reading A Visit from the Goon Squad have you have you heard of that one no Oh man, you'd love it. It's all about it's all about uh, broken people, um, and it oh. and it, it jumps uh, every chapter jumps to the perspective of of a minor character from the previous chapter. So it's kind of yeah. very fragmented, very disorientating, uh, and each time it, it it looks at different aspects of uh, mental health uh, or or indeed kind of trauma, 
Um, and it's fascinating. You see these kind of peripheral characters for the previous chapter. You get deep into their mindset and understand them. And then it, and that process yeah. continues for every single chapter. It won a bunch of prizes when it came out. And, and I bought a copy of it. Okay. And I never read it. It sat on my shelf for years and years and years. Maybe about 10 years that it came out. Um, and finally, we yeah. it, and it's brilliant. I recommend it. Bam. Yeah, biggity bam. So, uh, uh, have you been to the cinema at all uh, since it since it reopened? No. Um, as he went to Spider Man the other day, but I didn't take him. He went on a weekend. Um, I tell you what, we did the last movie we went to watch was the new Ghostbusters movie, which was brilliant. Yeah, I've not seen that yet. Been too busy, but I'm yeah, no, it's so good. They did a very good job of keeping the kind of eighties theme to it. Um, and I really enjoyed it. Like I said, sometimes if I'm going to a kid's movie in the cinema, I tend to take my Kindle just in case it's really boring. Um, so I can read it. But this one, actually, I didn't need to, I need, I didn't need to do that because I was, I was, I was, I, I was gripped from the get go. That's awesome. Yeah. That's always, always. That's good really good. So it's actually nice to get to the stage where with your child that you're both able to sort of sit down and enjoy a movie together. Um, but on subject of, of going back to the subject of books, my second choice of book, um, and and also the books that I'm mentioning, I I was actually always I was also really lucky to interview the authors who wrote the book. So I interviewed Meg Mason, um, and I also interviewed Disha Filior, whose book, The Secret Lives of Church Ladies, is actually a short story book. Um, has also won lots of reviews. And it's basically, you've got these nine different stories and they're all really short. I mean, Max, the book is like how many pages? 170 pages. And it basically explores um, these African-American ladies who are all sort of brought up um, in church with church being really critical, um, you know, part of their lives, whether or not they wanted it or not. Um, and so within this, they're kind of, they're growing up and they're basically exploring and questioning their sort of sexuality. So each book has got a character um, who's basically sort of either coming out or exploring. Um, and you've also got girls that are sort of grappling with the kind of the mother-daughter relationship that kind of comes out quite strongly in some of these books, um, some of these stories. Um, and so what I liked about this book is that um, church does play a massive role um, in, in this, within the kind of the black community. Um, and a lot of the times, more times than not, um, it's been about the black, the, the, the church kind of like, you know, the whole, like, you, you know, thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do that. Um, and I guess, it's it's kind of repressed the community in that you know as much as you might be feeling tendencies towards a different sex you've not really been allowed to sort of discuss it or talk about it not just at church just like even at home there's no way um and then you've got this book and not just this book you've got other books that are coming out which are kind of touching on the subject and so that's what i loved about it and uh this should feel yours a brilliant writer and she's done a really awesome job um in kind of bringing these issues up um and being able to talk about them openly and when i sat down and talked to her she was talking about how um when the book came out uh the sort of reaction to the church was 
sort of mixed, but more so than more so, more so than not, a lot of churches have been very kind of welcoming to it because they're basically wanting to get advice from from Disha. It's like, well, how do we become more modern? Like, how do we modernize? You know what we're doing because what they're seeing is that you've got people are not wanting to go to church so much. I think the church is kind of yeah it's kind of lost a lot of its kind of members and not just their members like i guess i don't know about you but i i mean i went to church but like it was like the older generations are the ones that sort of were quite committed to it be there on a sunday give the donations and as time has kind of passed on the younger generation it's not like we're not interested it's a case of like we don't really feel that the church sort of relates to our kind of everyday life do you know what i mean like we've got not just that we're busy it's just like well wow you know this is really kind of a bit not what we wanted to do and maybe some of it's also to do with rebellion it's kind of like you know you're forced to go to church and then if you kind of you know if it's up to you left to you you'd be like no i don't want to do this and so that's what they're sort of seeing and so the you know the churches are kind of like well how do we woo how do we woo our, our younger generations back and so Books like dishes are kind of like dishes. Yeah, she was saying how, you know, she's been like telling the priest, why don't you do this and why don't you do that? And I can't remember specifically what. Sorry, um, that sounds really sort of layman. It's like do this, do that. But I guess it's like, well, how do we modernize? How do we how do we get the younger generations to kind of come back? And so I loved it. And also, you know, some of them are really quite explicit, um, which is again, I love that. I love, I love, I love shock and awe. Um, and so that that would be like my second choice of books for 2021. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds that sounds fascinating too. And kind of uh, a little bit of a callback to our first ever podcast uh, on on uh, Mr. James Baldwin. Uh, he's uh, yeah. has a fascinating background. His father was like a pastor or a preacher, I believe. Um, and he yeah. has a real kind of, obviously there's his sexuality, but he has this kind of uh, real struggle and real break with the church over the, the, the generally oppressive nature of, of Christianity uh, as he perceived it. Mm-hmm. Um, not just in terms of sexual identity, but in racial identity as well. He saw it as, as, as hugely oppressive to African-Americans and black people. Uh, yeah. around the middle of the of the 20th century and uh, then then embraced the brotherhood of Islam like a, like a lot of kind of very uh, big figures uh, around that time as well like Muhammad Ali you know and had this big kind of yeah um, and there's a great movie about it called uh, one night in Miami about oh, yeah have you, have you have you seen this movie uh, it's Muhammad no. Ali Malcolm X and uh, uh, oh, Sam Cooke, the singer. You know, oh, I love Sam Cooke. They, they they all meet up and they're all talking about you know their rights of response. It's a sort of hypothetical meeting, I think. You know, like like Tom Stoppard travesties that kind of thing, where they were all yeah. in Miami at the same time. But it's not it's not we're not sure if they all met up in, as as this film kind of hypothesizes but it's a beautiful beautiful movie and a really interesting one as well directed by uh, regina king i think uh, so, oh yeah. like her is this on netflix it's not on netflix it's on amazon though um so yeah okay check it out if you're subscribed then you just you get that yeah i should definitely look into that can you get amazon if i'm based in fiji though yeah yeah i use it all the time here without without a 
VPN or anything. Just uh, okay, I might look into that. It's so I've got like a UK Amazon account, and it still comes up like with my UK content, and I still I still get billed in pounds. Uh, and so yeah, okay. Just just uh, if you have an account, just log in and and, and look for it. I'll do that for sure. Wikida. Um, yeah, that, that book sounds that sounds very interesting again, man. Um, I, I think it's really, really good. And it's a really it's a short story one. It's it's a short, like you you know, you'd be able to like whack that out half a day. Mm. Although at the moment, like I, I guess because I read so much, um, I read so much during the year, like I feel I feel like actually I've been I've been drawn to kind of watching TV than actually reading just because. I feel like my brain is like, yeah, my brain is just like mush. Too much. Well, it's a bit like, I mean, you said to me the other day, it's been such a, such a busy, crazy year. I think we Yeah, I mean, I did, I, did 24, I did 24 author lives last year, or well, this year even, I said last year, wow. um, which is a lot. That's like, so 24, so that's two, two a month. That is. And so, you, I mean, I, I didn't really think about it until like, I guess I was doing the stats of the day and I was like, God, no wonder I'm like totally like yeah. sort of allergic to books, <laughs> like right at this moment. I'm sure it'll change, but I guess because I do it for work, I mean, I, I kind of want to sort of stretch it out so I don't feel like, oh, just just another book. Yeah, yeah. It, get, it, it gets kind of exhausting. So I did, I tried my hand at another podcast uh, called Syndrome. Uh, which was interviewing uh, oh, syndrome. syndrome, yeah, C I N for cinema and D R O M for drone, and okay, movie drone. But also, I kind of like that it seems sounds like syndrome, the sort of uh, the medical term, which is like an I, yeah, uh, the name for a collection of symptoms that describe a condition, you know. So, I, I talked yeah. to people about uh, different people around uh, Suva and around Fiji about their taste in films, their earliest memories of films and and and, and some of their favorite films. And, and we, we discussed how that relates to their personality and their experiences. And I was doing one of those a week for about eight weeks and that just exhausted oh, me. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was done after that. Yeah, we're uh, like by the end, were you just like, nah, I can't do this anymore? I, ha I had to, and I thought I'll take like a month off and I'll come back to it. And that was about like four months ago. But I-, I, I Oh, knew really? I think when I'm when I'm back in the UK, I might try and do like a UK version and and, and speak yeah. to speak to a few old friends and family members who are super into movies. Um, now that yeah. we're, we're on a similar timeline, but I probably still won't go out and meet them and try and do it because because the UK no. is going crazy at the moment. Yeah, it is. Oh God. So I'm going to just be locked, you know, locked down probably back there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I've and I've not planned. I've only planned like two so far for the new year and I'm spaced, I've spaced them out just because, yeah, I kind of, and I just, I just, I just want to chill. I don't know about anyone else, but I, I'm, it just feels like things are a lot and I just want to kind of make life as easy as possible. I think you should. I'm I also, think... again, like I'm so tired. I don't know what, I've never felt as tired as I have done this year, but I guess my mum was in mind. She's like, well, you know, you, um, we've just all kind of gone through a pandemic and as much as like lockdown meant that we weren't doing much like getting out, I guess it's it's everything that comes with having a lockdown. And I guess, you know, with the homeschooling, I mean, you just don't, you kind of doggy paddle your way through things, don't you? Mm. You're sort of like, it's fine, we'll do it. Let's just kind of get through it. And then it's not until the end when you're just like, wow, what was that? You know?
I know, I know. And we're kind of, I think, like in the middle at the moment, sort of perhaps over a hump of sorts. Um, but we're, so we're poking our head up and looking back and thinking what was yeah, that? And, and kind of reflecting. looking forwards and thinking what's, what's going to come next. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I think it's incredible that you managed 24 of these different uh, author interviews over the space of a year. I think, you, yeah, you, you've earned a break, definitely. Yeah, I think so. February, my body, uh, February next year. Take January off, man. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I, I think I'm just, I'm all about listening to my body with things like this. It's kind of like, you know, like I'll sleep through like an alarm or like whatever. And I'm like, oh, what do you want to do? Um, I'm also got to the point where like, I just can't be bothered to cook. So Susie and I have been basically eating out at least one meal, one meal a day, just because I'm like, I, what I've just, I'm, I'm tired. I don't, I don't want to cook. Yeah, uh, that's understandable as well, you know. And you've got you've got a pretty great selection around here locally, I have to say. Like since since I've been uh, more more actively involved in in organising different things over the last few months. Yeah. Our um our, our my house husbanding duties have taken a, a something of a backseat. We've been order we've been ordering out quite a lot. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah, the body is responding appropriately to all those kind of like big sugary, salty, treaty takeouts. Um, yeah. There you go. Get back in shape. New year. Boom. Boom. New year indeed. All right. So uh, my last movie selection is um, uh, Spider-Man, I'm afraid. The new Spider-Man wow. movie. Wow. Boom. Uh, because... I'm I'm a huge Spider-Man geek, I, and I've picked two fairly sort of arty, um, uh, you know, um, high concept, really interesting, yeah. deep layered uh, movies for my for my previous two texts. But, yeah. but deep down, I'm a big I'm a big comic book uh, geek. I'm an action fan, uh, and this movie just <clears throat> did it for me. <clears throat> oh, excuse me, on so many levels. Uh, it. it I've never, I have never been in a cinema, in, in, and I went to see this at Damodar here in Suva. Yeah. I've never been in a cinema in which I've heard so much cheering and whooping and wow. yells of surprise and crying. I heard one girl crying at one crucial crying? moment. Like wailing, wailing and crying. Um, so I'll have there, to ask you which one, which point that was. was. I'll tell you after we, after we stop recording, because, um, because it, I, again, I don't like to give spoilers away anyway. This movie has, the, the trailers have given away a certain amount of spoilers and I imagine anyone who's a huge kind of fan has probably already been to see it or knows more about it uh, than, than, than I can spoil. But I'll, I'll tell you now that what this film does is touches, it, it goes back to the animated Spider-Man that came out a, a few years ago uh, called Spider-Man Into the Multiverse, which was a fantastic, fantastic updating uh, of the Spider-Man story, drawing on the comic books that try to reject the, the, uh, the sort of white male dominance of a lot of comic books, traditional comic book uh, stories, by bringing a new Spider-Man in called Miles Morales, who's, uh, who's half African-American, half uh, Latino. Um, uh, so he's like the new Peter Parker. Um, and that was fantastic. And it connected through something in science fiction and Marvel comic books called the multiverse, in which there are multiple realities and multiple universes where slightly different versions of us exist. Um, 
So this wow. film kind of taps into that. Uh, uh, it's it's called Spider-Man No Way Home. And what it does is it capitalizes on the fact that Spider-Man is, is one of the most popular superheroes, I think, of all time, uh, up there with, with Superman and, and Batman, uh, if not more popular these days. Uh, and that's evidenced, if nowhere else, by the fact that this, his franchise has been rebooted three times in the last two decades. So you had the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies that starred Tobey Maguire. Uh, then you had yeah. the, the reboot when that kind of fell apart with Andrew Garfield um, and uh, the director. There's like an indie uh, director who did 500 Days of Summer. I forgot his name, uh, but he did those ones and they were very interesting as well. I liked them. Then you got the Captain America Civil War <clears throat> reintroduction, reintroduction of Spider-Man into the actual Marvel Cinematic Universe, which probably means very little to you but to spider-man fans and marvel fans that, that was huge and he's had three of his own movies in this new franchise reboot and this is the third one and it capitalizes on the fact there have been all these other versions by by bringing in characters from those old movies so the trailer has already given away that alfred molina returns as dr octopus um, Willem Dafoe returns as um, Green Goblin, for example, but there are far more surprises in store that, that, that um, I won't spoil. But it, the emotional, visceral response in the cinema when I went to see it, normally I'm kind of, I like to enjoy my films uh, with, with a small number of people uh, and in hushed, reverent silence so that I can really completely buy into this world. But I was there with so many other people that loved this world and, and wanted to show <laughs> how, they, how much they loved it, that I couldn't help getting swept up. I was clapping, I was cheering, um, I, I cried a couple of times. You know, it, it was a great movie um, okay. and, a, and a real pinnacle of, um, of the, the new phase of, of Marvel movies that's gonna, it's gonna explode everything because once you introduce the multiverse, things get super complicated. And there's so many things yeah. that happen in this movie that, 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 are, that are incredible for the new Spider-Man films. Again, I can't yeah, say yeah. anything more than that, but also for the wider Marvel Cinematic Universe. It was just great. And so it had to be one of my winning movies of, of the lockdown and of the year. <laughs> yeah. How did Zizzy respond uh, to it? I would yeah, he loved it. I mean, he didn't give, obviously, he didn't give such a detailed sort of review of it. Um, but I'd love to, I'd love to hear the bit about crying. So I can't wait to ask him that. Um, would you say was this your favorite Superman? Uh, the original, yeah. the original Superman, Christopher Reeves, back in the 70s, what, 77 was it? Um, no, Spider-Man, yeah, sorry. Oh, Sp <laughs> you're as bad as Mila, man. She winds I know, sorry. She winds me up by purposely conflating Superman <laughs> and Spider-Man and Marvel and DC. Yes, sorry. She knows it will get a rise out of me. <laughs> okay. Yes, sorry. My, my favorite Spider-Man, that's a very tricky question because like I said, there's been a whole bunch of iterations over the last uh, couple of decades. I think... I think my favorite is the animated one that I told you about that came out a few years ago, Spider-Man Into the Multiverse, just because it was yeah. so incredibly different and it did away with, um, did away with a, or, or very playfully approached the, the creation story, the origin story of Peter Parker Spider-Man, because we've heard it so many times before. Um, and the styles of animation were really interesting. It, it was fantastic to see such a, a bold experimental take on 
on, on a well-known uh, character and, and universe. Um, and, and it was so close to the comics um, that the close, you know, so, so better than any CGI could really manage because it went back to the original comic book aesthetic. And also it brings Miles Morales, um, who is oh. a, a racially uh, cool addition to the, to the dominant white male uh, superhero canon. And it was a, it was a, yeah. it was a definite it was a distinct attempt on the part of Marvel Comics to bring more diversity to their characters. Many years ago, before this film adaptation, they brought in a bunch of uh, of non-white, non-male kind of characters, and even you know um, uh, non-heterosexual characters as well. Uh, and we're seeing that bleed into some of the cinematic adaptations, which is nothing but a good thing, of course, as as we've discussed how much we value this diversity and balance of identities in our stories uh, that we consume many times. But just to quickly uh, give a caveat to your question about favourite Spider-Man, Spider-Man 1 and 2 by Sam Raimi came out when I was sort of in my early 20s. And, and as a teenager yeah. who was obsessed with Spider-Man and has, has Spider-Man comics still stashed away at home, from from like the, the original 1970s Spider-Man comics, I have I have a whole bunch of those, and, and so uh, when that one came out, and I was like 21, maybe uh, that of course blew blew my mind. It, it was my favorite things in the world: Spider-Man comics and movies coming together, and those two are great movies. But Spider-Man three from that series was awful. So I would say the animated Spider-Man is probably my favorite. Then one and two from the original Sam Raimi run. And, and then yeah. this new one comes in uh, as a close fourth. Awesome. We watched The Eternals recently and that was very like, I loved the way that they've kind of just opened up the whole sort of diversity thing. Like they had um, a gay couple and they also had um, one of the characters doing signing. Yes. It was death. Yes. Uh, have you seen it? I have seen it and I loved it. I thought it was a great movie. It got critically kind of panned uh, and you know, that's, that's possibly for another discussion because I can talk for a long, long panned. time. It got panned, yeah. A lot of people didn't like Why? it. Well, um, I don't, I, I think that that's a, a part of it. I think that- the, It's too woke. <laughs> maybe, maybe uh, too much. Jeez. Too much, too much. To, uh, I, I think it's a little bit more fundamental than that, and I think that the superhero films work best for people when there's focus on a superhero, on one character, and as a, as a group, um, this that dynamic sort of threw a few people off. I also think that some people were expecting more of a Chloe Zhao film, so she directed it, of course, ah. and she's the Nomadland director, and I thought it was brilliantly balanced between Marvel stylistics and Chloe, star Chloe Zhao style. Um, yeah. I think there are, there are elements, there are always going to be trolls, and, uh, and I think it was trolled for having, for having elements of diversity and, and wokeness and inclusivity. Um, it, was, it was even banned in countries like Saudi Arabia for its, for its gay culture oh. that you mentioned. Um, so I think it's a very complicated, it, it was not, not seen as a very successful Marvel film for a whole bunch of complicated reasons, but I loved it. I thought it was awesome. Go and watch it, viewers. Bam. Bam. Um, all right, for my third pick, um, it's again another short story, and it's called uh, Who's Loving You, edited by Sarita Domingo. 
And it's all about love, love in all its guises. Um, predominantly, uh, it's a short story written by black female writers, black British female writers. Um, and the editor, Sarita Domingo, has written, like, I think this is her fifth book. Um, but this is one, obviously, she's sort of like handpicked um, a variety of Black British um, writers, female writers, to do this one, just because she said that there just was wasn't there's not enough books out there on the market, and I I can conclude I can I can agree with her that talk about sort of love within the sort of the Black community. A lot of it's kind of like growing up. We were reading books about love, but we felt we didn't really feel seen. Um, do you know what I mean? And so she's kind of got these women together and I absolutely loved it. And like, sadly, not a lot of noise was made about it because when I, I mean, I only, I mean, I, I do, I, I research my books pretty well. Um, I don't always just go for like the sort of top shelf, like the most popular ones. Um, I mean, I don't feel like also I sort of, I try very hard not to typecast the kind of books that I'm going to review. Like if I pick up a book or read about a book, um, and like, you know, I usually sort of read the sort of like a sample. And if I'm going to, if I, if I like the, if I like the sound of it, then I'm like, bam, let's do it. Um, but this one, yes, yeah, so the Sarita's one, like I, I loved it because you, you have some sci-fi you have some sci-fi love stories in this, Ben, which you, you, that's something you would love. Absolutely. Um, you've got, uh, you've got a, a black surfer guy who's in Tarifa. And, you know, he's surfing and then one minute there's, you know, one minute surfing, next minute there's a girl that just basically just her, the boats that she's been traveled, that she's traveled on um, or smuggled on to make it to, to Spain basically rocks up on the beach. And so they have this basically fleeting moment where they meet and exchange. I think he sort of helps her out the beach and then they don't stop thinking about each other, but of course they go their sort of separate ways, but then they reunite. They end up kind of like catching up again randomly and like basically pick up where they last left. Um, and that's all I'm going to say on that one. So all the stories are really kind of varied. And the reason why I love it is because God, I mean, I think sometimes or a lot of time, well, maybe sometimes, well, some books tend to kind of have a sort of grim, sort of slants to them. And I and I feel that more than ever, the world needs stories about love. Do you know what I mean? I think we need to feel kind of, we need to feel loved and we need to read about love. So that's why, that's why this one was really kind of, it really kind of tickled my heart and I really, really liked it. And it was great sitting down and chatting to Sarita about it as well. She's kind of going places. She's, she's, she loves, yeah, she's a, her her favorite genre um, of book writing is the romance. So, so there you have it. That's my third pick um, for this year. Awesome. I think I'm going to try and get hold of uh, um, uh, copies of these books when I'm back in the UK. Uh, can I can I yeah. order them? Uh, are they they're generally available? I can I can order them. For yeah, and you can like I mean you're going to be in the UK, so you can like generally kind of walk into a shop. I'm going to try and get into the shops. Once I'm out of quarantine, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try and go book shopping because I, I have. It's something that oh. I really, really miss. 
Um, and I'll maybe, yes. I'll, maybe I'll bring you back some titles if you if you if there's anything you want, let me know, man. Uh, I won't, I'll be back in a couple of months, and uh, so it will be it will take about as long as getting them delivered to Fiji normally. But <laughs> if there yeah. is anything that you that you're after, do let me know. Uh, but oh, I'm definitely yeah. going to get these books. I love I love the the the, the spread of emotions that you've that you've picked. I love that we, the first yeah. one sounded kind of traumatic and, and exploring uh, those those mental health issues. And the last one's all about love. That's fantastic, you know? Yeah. A good, a good arc, good balance. Yeah, a good arc of books. And that's what I thought. And I, you know, I don't choose my, I don't choose my titles sort of lightly. Um, I mean, I've got a stash, I've got like a stash of uh, books that I, you know, stack of books that I should, should I? Well, yeah, to read. But I mean, every time I go and pick one up, I'm like, oh, so I'm, I think I'm still in sort of real chill mode. Yeah. Well, stick with, stick with your Netflix for, for now. Yeah, and, I and, think so. And, and I, I love just like just lolling and just watching, watching stuff. Yeah, just watching movies. I don't know what I'm going to watch tonight. It's going to be, I mean, Hands of God was just brilliant. Wow. I can't stop thinking about it. I'm really looking forward to it, man, because uh, he did a great movie a, a few years ago called The, the Great Beauty. Uh, oh, did he? Yeah, Paolo Sorrentino. It won a huge number of awards. It's a big, sprawling epic about this um, sort of this writer, uh, artist who's getting kind of old uh, in Italy and he's going yeah. around and he's partying and uh, he goes and hangs out with all these kind of, with his intellectual friends and they have discussions of politics and art and then, then he's going out and drinking and dancing and man, oh, it's, wow. a, it's a great, uh, a great big epic uh, smash of a movie. You should definitely check it out. The Great, the great Beauty uh, by Paolo Sorrentino. And this yeah, is, no, I definitely will. I was super excited to hear that this new one was coming out. I was talking to a, a friend of mine, an Italian friend of mine here in Suva, and he was saying, hey, because we've, we've talked about the other movie, and he's like, hey, his new, his new movie's out soon. Yeah. I was like, oh, we're never going to catch it. It's not going to be on the cinema here. And then, boom, it dropped on Netflix. So I, I was super excited to see that, and I can't Yeah. Yeah, no, it was really good. Like, I, last night I felt really spoiled because I'd, um, I'd heard of Hand of God, and then Unforgivable, I was like, oh, but I do like Sandra Bullock. And I, I have to say, she plays it beautifully. Oh, my God, she's phenomenal. Yeah, I love, I love a bit of Sandy Bates. Kind of like underrated, but she is just brilliant. Yeah, good. I'm, 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 I'm more excited for it now. I'd heard, um, I'd heard it wasn't, wasn't a great adaptation, but it wasn't quite as good as the, um, as the original series. But I'm, I'm digging it now uh, uh, because I'm... No, I'm big what what Sarah watch next? Yeah, nice. Right. Yes, exactly. Give your brain a bit of a rest from all that reading. It's, I think so. I as, think as wonderful as it is. I'm get through the Christmas. Yeah, you good at what? What are what are some of your favorite Christmas movies? Got any? Oh, the holiday. Yeah, yeah. I knew that was the coming. Holiday. I knew that was coming, man. <laughs> well, again, a really cheesy one, and um, it's pretty good fun. I like I like it a lot. Yeah. 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 I like, I also like, um, I, I think it's really interesting that a lot of people sort of remember and talk about the old black and white Jimmy Stewart movie, It's a Wonderful Life at Christmas, because it's, it's yeah. kind of set at Christmas, but it's really dark. And I really love that one. Out. Actually, I'm going to try to see if I can get that one. It's a Wonderful Life, uh, but it's really sad as well. 
Well, it's very dark and weird. It's about a man that wants to commit suicide, you know, at Christmas, which is okay. uh, which is a, a very uh, sort of uh, yeah, interesting. Yeah, not a good thing to watch, actually. Well, I mean, I could watch it, but probably not watching showing it to anyone in Europe right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's going to be a struggle. Well, what's your favorite Christmas movie? Um, well, it, that's a tricky one. Probably Gremlins, which is uh, people. Really? Are going to, yeah, yeah, come on! It's the greatest Christmas movie of all time. Uh, <laughs> that that I like. I like movies that are kind of set at Christmas, but but uh, but uh, people would not normally consider them Christmas movies because yeah, a lot of Shane Black movies are set at Christmas, like Lethal Weapon and, yeah. and um, um, uh, the Nice Guys. Uh, which was his most recent one, yeah. Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling was fantastic, and uh, The Last Boy yeah. Scout. A lot of Shane Black written and directed movies, but I like Die Hard, and I like. Um, oh uh, yeah. I like Gremlins probably the best because there's that great the great scene in Gremlins about that you know Phoebe Cates. That's how I learned there was no Santa Claus. I don't know if you remember that, but basically yeah. uh, her dad dresses up as Santa Claus and goes down the chimney. Oh, yeah. It's stuck and dies and, and when she's a little girl. And that's why she hates Christmas in that movie. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's a very dark, strange movie, but I still, it still, for me, has a bit of the Christmas spirit in it somewhere. And I do love It's a Wonderful Life. So, so again, for me, movies that balance the kind of the, the darkness and the light, even at Christmas, are, are the most interesting. Yeah. Cool. Uh, how shall we wrap it? Yeah, let's wrap it. I think we've been going for about an hour, so that's that's as good a point as any. Wrap it, wrap it ups. Why don't, why don't um, you, why don't you, you so sign much. out? Yeah, look, you, you sign out. Well, here's, here's wishing you a Merry Christmas, uh, a safe Christmas, and a safe New Year, uh, with lots of lovely family time. And here's to all of us, you know, I mean, I know. At times this year has felt bleak um, and things kind of maybe perhaps still feel bleak for people. But I think in these moments, it's good to maybe perhaps channel in and and to have some gratitude for, for what it is that you can do. I think a lot of things that we can't control, but the things that we can control in terms of like having some nice food, just do some little things that can kind of get you through this kind of tough period. Um, I'm just going to be off to the shops shortly and getting some really nice cheese and wines and things. Um, and then basically just chilling. And I think another message I want to put out is to basically listen to our bodies and just get some rest, try and get as much rest as you can. Um, even I know it can be hard, especially if you've got kids and stuff, but kids can rest too. There's nothing wrong with having more than two movies or having just a big movie day. Um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt anyone. And in fact, your body's going to be happy for it. Um, that's what we're going to basically be planning to do for the next few days. Um, I'll be switching my phone off and just basically hanging in PJs with Sizzy um, and just watching countless movies, bam, and eating well. Sounds heavenly, man. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I highly recommend a bit of a, a device and social media detachment over this Christmas. Uh, yeah, I I, I'm going to go for that as well. Yeah. And of course, I'm going to watch a whole bunch of movies, and I'm going to eat a whole bunch of cheese. Um, I'm just gonna yes, eat, eat. eat. The, the, the the Wheeler family Christmases are very much geared around eating. Cheese. What else? 
uh, just everything. So my, uh, we're we're a family of uh, of uh, amazing chefs. Uh, so, some professional, nice. some uh, some just incredible for, through through uh, a lifetime of looking after their families. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna get super super duper spoiled. Uh, which is, yeah. is uh, going to be amazing, and I'm going to get to see my 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 mum and my dad and my sister for the first time in two years. I'm going to see my little nephew, yeah. twin boys who are now uh, growing oh, up wow. rapidly. Like the last two years, I think they're kind of uh, about five now. Uh, so they've they've gone from uh, from not really talking at all the last time I saw them to apparently being very uh, vocal and you know never shutting up. Which is going to be amazing. I'm going to be Uncle yeah. Ben taking them out, getting them, getting them uh, exhausted and and or overexcited, and then giving her, giving them back to my sister. <laughs> nice. Well, you enjoy that time together. Will do. Yeah, enjoy your time uh, here, and we'll try and do more enjoy. of these in the new year, right? Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll but um, not in January. Not in January. No, no. Take January yeah. off. All right. Time. Well, this has been awesome. It's uh, uh, it's nice to get back and chat to you. Um, but yes, for now, thank you. For now, bye bye. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. God bless us, everyone. <laughs> everyone. All right, cool. Let's uh, let's cut the recording.